Okay, episode 368, After the Whistle, presented by Seneca Buffalo Creek Casino. Nothing else comes close. And uh, Jeremy Roenick going to join us today. And uh, I, I encourage everybody who's listening to stick around and hear the end of that discussion as the two of these guys get into a, what I think to be a pretty good battle about who's the best defenseman of all time. I did enjoy it. I hope you don't mind. Good morning, Craig. Good morning. So, uh, Devin Levi, Sabres announced yes. yesterday that they have loaned, not sent, not sent, I don't know about the wording here, loaned, which means he's coming back. We know we'll see him again in Buffalo, yep. but have loaned Devin Levi to the Rochester Americans. Yeah. Surprising, not surprising. I'm surprised. I'm very surprised. Uh, because literally yesterday in our show, I said they won't do it. I said they no. won't do it because they were afraid of the of the blowback. And I'm actually going to tell you that I'm really happy that they did. Um, I'm not even going to get into the, the and say that it's long overdue, although I just said that. But I'm really glad that they did because it's the best. It's what's best for the kid and his development. I think anybody that has been around the game for any period of time and has seen players develop knows that goaltenders in particular need a different path. I am really pleased with this. Uh, I think it's exactly what this young man needs. I didn't like the idea of bringing Devin Levi. I, I, we, we both spoke about that months and months and months ago where we all know how good Devin Levi is. Okay. He showed at the end of last season, he came in here, he played seven games. He won five of them. He was very impressive, but the NHL is a completely different monster than, you know, NCAA division one hockey. I'll tell you where I feel this benefits the Sabres the most is inside the locker room. Yeah. Think we have three goaltenders on the team, and we don't have a clue who's the number one. Now, here's the thing. The guy who's clearly taking over the number one was the guy that they wanted to send to Never Never Land. He's earned the opportunity to play more than the rest. Now, I'm super pleased with the decision that the Sabres made and sending Levi down. He absolutely should be in the minors. The kid should be riding the bus. The kid should be playing a ton. Here's the problem. You had mentioned this to me before the show that how does that, what, what dynamic does that do for the minor league team? They have two goaltenders that down there that are That's playing Seth, very well. Seth Afford said they have two good goaltenders in Rochester right now. Their numbers aren't great, but the team's doing well. So okay. they have a good record. And now all of a sudden you're going to send down the young kid that was given the keys to the city here in Buffalo. And now he's down in the minors. And guess what? Kevin Adams is going to want him to play. He's going to want Devin Levi to play himself back into a confident role to, to learn to be uh to play the professional game doesn't just have to start in the NHL which I thought was a was the wrong move to begin with 
but now he's going to stay in the minors. Like he should be in the minors for not just like two weeks. He should be in the minors till February. It's 21. Allow him to go through some heartache a little bit. Allow him to fight through it. You know, from everything I hear, he's a very, very strong-minded, very mature young man. He's going to figure this out. But right now, he needs to play. He needs to play multiple games, okay? He needs to be in an environment that is is a little less pressure than the one he's in here in, in, in Buffalo. Well, and it's so, the right thing to do. So he's going to Rochester. They've played 17 games. They're 10-5-2. Now, granted, okay, Tokarski's 3-6-7 goals against average, and his save percentage is 8-9-3. But in those games, they're 4-2-1. They're both 4-2-1. Their numbers are almost identical. They're not great. 4.04 for Cooley's goals against average and 8-8-6 save percentage, but they're getting it done. They're winning games. So yep. the, the, the point I'm trying to make is, these two guys don't want Devin Levi there. Understood, but this is they not about want, this is no. not about Cooley and this is not about Turkarski. This is about the the Buffalo Sabres organization. Good luck telling them that because they're, they're well, listen, I mean it is what it is. What is the miners for? The miners are for one thing, and that's to prepare players to play in the big club. Devin Levi is the future. He is the future goaltender of the Buffalo Sabres. It is it's it's very clear. He is going to go down there and he will get the lion's share of goaltending. Okay. That's just the way it's going to be. If like if Kevin Athert is not going to sit there as a coach and say, well, that's not going to happen on my team. I, I am uh, going to play my, no, 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 no. You're going to play Devin Levi and he is going to continue to develop and mature as a very young goaltender. And it might take time. Could take years. So let's talk Ryan about Miller. The... Ryan Miller played 48, 60, and 63 in his first three years pro in the minors. Let's talk about the effect this move has on the big club. UPL's got to be feeling pretty good about himself. Conrad's got to feel good about himself, too. If Kevin Adams were a twisted genius like I am, he would say, ah, this whole Devin Levi experiment was just to get the most out of UPL because we knew what he was capable of. We knew this would light a fire under his ass starting yeah, last complete year. Hogwash, but <laughs> the two guys that are here right now got to be feeling pretty good about themselves. Number one, because they've earned it. Yeah, they've got to feel pretty good that they're not sharing a net anymore, which has got to be absolutely mind blowing for any goaltender, especially at this at this level to think about it, that you're sitting there taking shots during a practice and then have to get out and stand in the corner for five minutes. Are you shitting me? This is the NHL. Nobody, and I mean nobody, has three goaltenders on a freaking roster. This is why it's so ludicrous that we're talking about Devin Levi that was given the keys to the kingdom, the kingdom being the Buffalo Sabres, before he has even established himself as a goaltender in this league, they gave him the keys to the city. Why, it, why did he not start in the minors is the question. Well, and if you're if you're not we'll going to start Devin Levi in the minors, why did you not go out and get a clear cut number one if you feel that you needed a number one? 
So now all of a sudden you're, you're a quarter of the way into the season and they have to make a tough decision and send down Devin Levi because he was not put in the right situation. He, he the pressure was all the, all the eyes were on Devin Levi. All of them. So yesterday, you know, I said to you that I I didn't care about his feelings and it wasn't because I don't care about Devin Levi. It's because that's pro sports. But I will ask you this. How do you think he's feeling today? Because this is not how he saw the season going. No, I I don't think it's how um, Kevin Adams and his staff saw it going. I don't think that they looked at this and said, oh, we're going to be sending uh, Devin Levi down after 20 games because he's got, uh, you know, his his goals against averages like through the friggin' roof. They didn't, they didn't anticipate that. They thought Devin Levi was going to come in here and do something that, I don't know, maybe no goaltender that's ever done in the history of the game. You sent out the uh, trajectory of Uka Pekalukinen. His development path. His development path. He's 24 turning 25. He is just now for the first time in his NHL career that you're starting to see a mature, calm, building confidence in his game, obviously trying to work on things in his game that will make him better. But he's now been in the environment for how many years here in Buffalo? Four? That he's played four different years of NHL opportunity. Some years were were a lot less than others, right? But it's it's taken a long time for UPL to get to where he is right now. The hype brought on the pressure and the expectations from the fans. Fans... Buffalo Sabre fans are so thirsty for this to get fixed after 12 years of horrendous hockey that they'll take any kind of positivity or shining light at all. And this this kid gave them that over the summer and actually not even over the summer. But it was false hope. the end of last we year. We both know was that. It, it false was hope? false hope. I, I can't say it was, right. it was false hope. Listen, I didn't agree with it, Craig. I didn't agree with them keeping here, but I was fucking curious as hell to see what was going to happen because when he came in last year, he looked really good. Okay. But he, he had played, just come off a season. Solid. He'd just come off a whole season. He was fresh and ready to go. Now you take that whole summer out. Now you train, and now you got to come back and get your timing all back. After training camp, with the way training camp went... I would have started him in the minors. I would not have started him the first four games of the season. That's so. Again, that, was, that is another peculiar. But you can call situation. it false hope if you want. You but, wanted like Don Granado's talking about getting him in into the grind. The fuck does that mean? Get him into the grind. You're throwing him to the wolves. Is what you're doing. You're throwing a rookie goaltender to the wolves. Is what you just did. Yeah. Now, would would Devin, if let's just say hypothetically, just say hypothetically that on um, opening night at home against a Rangers team who came out with a with a ton to prove. Yes. But I'm just I'm going to go with this. I'm going to say hypothetically, if if Kevin Adams would have made a a a deal. For a number one goaltender. 
a clear-cut number one goaltender in the summertime, is Devin Levi right now in the minors? And the answer I don't think I think is no. I think Devin Levi would have played his his games. He would have played against certain teams. Okay. Um, he would have been put more in a situation to succeed. He would have had a lot less pressure on him because the number one guy is going to play in 22 games this year. He would have played probably 15 of them or, or 14 of them. And Devin Levi would have played six or seven games now, but put in a much different situation, not bearing, not bearing that pressure because the pressure is going to be on your number one. That's just the way it is. That's why the number ones get paid the big bucks because they are dealing with that pressure. And I don't think they thought, of, well, I'm, I'm sure they think about everything, but I just don't agree with it. I, I didn't agree with it from, from day one when they, when they were bringing in Devin Levi to be, to be, well, I'll tell you, of three, it, I'll tell you what I actually I, think that they were going to have three goaltenders to start the first yeah. uh, 22 games of the season. Well, I hope the morale of the team is better because now there's no tiptoeing around emotions because there's going to be that on a team with three goaltenders been there. And the other thing I can hope for and wish for, and I I'm sure you feel the same way as I want to see him go down there and tear it up in the games that he's playing in. I want to see him perform. And I, that's not me putting pressure on him. That's just me saying, I look forward to seeing him play maybe a little more at his level at this moment. Yeah. Yes. And his save uh, percentage PD is 0.876. That that is insanely low, okay. And that's okay. Devin Levi is in a position to learn and develop. He's a very young goaltender, and he needs time. He's going to be turning twenty-two in in a month from now. That being said, he's got a long, long ways. When Devin Levi is ready to truly take over the number one position, he's probably going to be twenty-five. That's what I would think when thinking about Devin Levi. I am hoping more than anything that we have some outstanding goaltending by Uka Pekalukkanen, that he takes over the clear-cut number one position and plays like a number one position. Because you know what that does? It allows Kevin Adams and his staff to put Devin Levi in the minors for a couple of years maybe all of this year, all of next year. And then you will have Devin Levi start to make his, his true push to be a number one because he has had multiple years in the minors developing his skill set. Does sending an AHL goalie, rookie goalie to the minors warrant a press conference? Kevin Adams spoke today and we will get to Jeremy Roenick and we will dissect that entire press conference for you tomorrow on After the Whistle. Enjoy JR and enjoy the battle between Craig and JR on Kale McCarr and Paul Coffey and Who's Better. Hey, Andrew. You ever been in a car crash? I know you have because you're a terrible driver, but fortunately for me, I haven't. But I know who I'd call if it ever happened to me. Call our friends at Salino Law. 800-555-5555. For a car crash, call Salino, 800-555-5555.
1-800-522-5555. You looking for a nice little getaway? Seneca Allegheny Resort and Casino. Natural beauty meets true luxury. Surrounded by the lush hills of the rolling Allegheny Mountains, incredible views are second only to the outstanding accommodations and service. Enjoy the AAA Four Diamond Resort, complete with luxurious rooms and amenities, expansive dining options, and of course, world-class gaming nestled in the foothills, just a short drive from the quaint village of Ellicottville. Go to SenecaAlleghenyCasino.com for more details. Before uh, we get into any conversation, need to make sure that we mention that this segment with Jeremy Roenick is brought to you by Whiskey in the Wild and Snipes and Stripes. Nofilter.net. And again, we've had a nice crossover between our After the Whistle and No Filter. So thanks to you guys. You guys have been mentioned the last three weeks. It's been it's a nice crossover. It's working working well together. So thank you for the promotion. It's great to see you back buzzing around with the uh, the opinions all over the place. I'm seeing you everywhere all of a sudden. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's a good thing. I I mean, it's probably not a good thing for some people, but um, no, it's not. <laughs> um, it, there's a lot of there's a lot of shameful things going on in the media, um, you know. And I'm not going to go political, but this 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 Karen guy from from Deadspin doing this thing to this this five year old kid because he's supporting a football game and football team and you know call him out of blackface and literally putting a picture on that totally doesn't depict what happened and i i hope this guy gets sued to the gills i hope deadspin gets sued to the gills because at some point these writers and these media outlets need to have some accountability so what what happened with this jr i, I don't know what you're talking about so on on Sunday at the Chiefs Raiders game, there was a five year old who went to the game. His two favorite teams are the Raiders and the Kansas City Chiefs. And this kid is a grandson of a Native American. He has Native American blood in him, and he wants. And just like everybody, when you go to a football game and you 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 want to cheer for your team and you want to dress up, this kid put an Indian headdress on. He's five years old. He's the cutest thing you've ever seen. He's got a. a a Kansas City Chiefs shirt on with a black shirt for the Raiders underneath. And he is, and his face is painted. One half is black and the other half is red. Okay. Which if you go to a Raider game, pretty much every person's face is painted black in, in yep. Raider nation. Yeah. But this kid, this kid is so excited to go to the game and watch a football game with his dad. And he was look, he felt so proud of how he looked because he had the red red on one side for the Kansas City Chiefs and black on the other side. And this this writer, Karen something for Deadspin, he's a he's a journalist and and an activist, racist journalist, uh, took a picture of only one side of the kid's face. And it was the side that had the black. Because they took a pic that he, he saw posted that picture. a picture. He posted a picture only of one side and totally misrepresented what this kid was doing or the or the dynamics of the picture. And he said that the NFL, the NFL should uh, crack down on on these racist, the, you know, the racism of, you know, blackface um, amongst white people. And, and this is a five year old kid. This is where people in a, a case like this, this is where every single person who cares really about other people should absolutely condemn Deadspin and condemn this writer 
and the family should sue the shit out of Deadspin and this writer for for yeah. uh, for for brief, uh, for um, defamation of character because there's no there's no place in the world for this. The only racist ra- only racism in this whole scenario is Karen the writer trying to create um, a awful create a story, awful, right? Yeah. Yeah, but everything he writes is about is about racism and about white supremacy and all that stuff. That's all he does is try to is is try to fuel the flame of racism. That's all he does. It's all he writes about, and it's just it's absolutely disgusting, and it drives me just bananas because he's he's making the problem worse and he's not making it better. Well, what do you think uh, Connor Bedard's feeling about the rumors going around about Corey Perry and his mom? Which, by the way, I think we can all say those rumors are not true. Well, listen, this is what I'm going to say. Um, first of all, it's a awful situation, and it's the worst kind of situation that you even want to have as a start for a career for Connor Bedard. I feel so bad for Connor Bedard. Um, terrible. Um, but this is... You know, Kyle Davidson did an, a, a presser, and uh, and he came on and he gave his his speech and he addressed the situation without telling anything. But th- I think the main key that what came out of Kyle Davidson's um, uh, press conference was at the end when he undeniably denounced and said that this has nothing to do with teammates or teammates families families now that now this is very important okay this is very important the chicago blackhawks are in a massive overhaul to change their entire mentality in the office on the team um because of what happened with the with the kyle beach situation um they are under massive um uh, watchful eye under a microscope and there's no way I feel that Kyle Davidson would 100% use this platform to say that how disgusting of a rumor that is, and it is totally not true, if it was if if he didn't mean it, because he could get in a lot of trouble lying about this situation. And if it comes out true, the Hawks are going to be in even more trouble by trying to hide this one under the rug, which. So this tells me, and you know what? Good for Kyle for coming out and, and using the end of his his press conference to to totally um, denounce and and put away the rumors that it has anything to do. But because the entire press conference, Jr. The entire press conference, no one gave a shit about anything except for is it true? Is right. are the rumors true about? Corey Perry and Connor Bedard's mother. That's what everybody sat there and waited for. They don't care about anything else. They wanted to know that. And he came out and at the very end of it, just like you said, his, his career's on the line. If he lies about this, right? Yes. His career was on the line. And basically the last thing he said, this has nothing to do with any player or family member. Yes. Period. That's very, so key. Now it, that's very key. It's very key because it puts the rest, all these ridiculous rumors that are spreading through, uh, you know, social media on every single platform across North America. Okay. And, and now you can put all those to rest because 
they are not true. Well, now, I think I think you, I think, I think we, you, we we feel very confident about that. But there's a lot of people who don't understand the dynamics of everything that's going on in, in Chicagoland, in how it works, um, in in the upper management, what Chicago has been going through that probably don't believe that they still believe that that's the case. And that bothers me because but I'm just sitting here saying, what on earth could Corey Perry do to to get this kind of of um, expulsion from the Chicago Blackhawks? Now it's now well, it's uh, well. From I, I let, let's go a little further. Probably from hockey. I mean, oh, does yeah, this yeah. end? Th- he's done now, wouldn't you it's, say? It's, and it's, it's, I, I would have to think so, and it's really sad. It's really sad for Corey Perry to finish his career, which has been a great career. He's having, like a great, he's having a great year this year too. I, is, I is he done? Yeah, I hope because we not. don't know. We don't know exactly what happened, and I don't want to sit here and and go over the rumors fair, of what fair. happened. All I know is uh, Davidson never alluded to exactly what happened with Corey Perry. Just that it, their standard right now trying to build a standard because they have no standard with what happened with the Kyle beach thing and everything else. Now they're trying to start fresh and they're trying to build their organization in the right way. And we don't know what Corey Perry, what happened with him. Now I'm sure NHL teams are going to be asking a lot of questions because you're going to have basically an unrestricted free agent in Corey Perry, who still has game left and him. How old is still, how old is Corey? How old is Corey? probably around 30, 38, I would think 37, yeah, 38. That's, that's what I'm thinking. Yeah. But he's still playing. He's still very useful. Like the last number of years when he was playing in Tampa Bay, he was playing as a fourth line guy, but he was also playing second, on the power, power play. play. Second right? power play. Yeah. Second power play. He's yeah. very useful. He still has game. He's effective. Um, he's very effective. Very effective. So there's teams that are going to be out there that are probably going to be asking a lot of questions to find out exactly what happened. And if it's not something, you know, listen, I mean, everybody makes mistakes. Everybody makes bad judgments, but it's what is the bad judgment? What is the mistake? Right. And we don't know that. We don't know that information right now. His career could be done with the mistake that he made. Or it could be a very bad mistake where um, another team might say, well, listen, I mean, it's it's a really unfortunate situation with the Blackhawks, but we're okay with bringing them to our organization and giving them a fresh start. You know, it's it, I think everything you said was bang on, Riv. And I think you got to look at a couple other different dynamics here. Um, will another team take a chance on Corey Perry um, considering his age, okay, age is going to have to come into it. Whether they're going to take a chance on on bringing him and have given him another chance. Now, listen, we have seen through the National Hockey League second and third chances being given all over the place. I think Corey Perry has been an exemplary teammate and 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 member of the National Hockey League for many many years. Stanley Cup winner. Um, he's seen more Stanley Cups over the last five years than anybody in the National Hockey League. He. You, you see Evander Kane has gotten three or four different chances. You see um, D'Angelo. Bloody hell. He's, he's, uh, yeah. he's like a cat, man. He's, yeah. he's got nine lives. Exactly. Now, um, you, have, you have D'Angelo, who had a massive uh, 
dispersal from New York, who has now had a couple different chances with Carolina and Philly, and then he's back with Carolina. Um, so it's, it's really hard to say whether this is the end of Corey Perry. I really hope I, it's not. And I say that not knowing what happened, but um, God, I, it's, it's just really unfortunate, man. It really is unfortunate that this is happening. Patrick Kane signed in Detroit. You called that one about two months ago. Two and a half months ago, at least, right? Right when we started. So what did you know? What inside information did you know? Because you're not that good, JR. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody tells you how great you are, but not on after the whistle. You're just you're just a normal guy. Okay. Tell us our your inside info. Uh I just took a lot of different things into consideration. You know, Patrick Kane is um He's won a couple. He's won a couple, few cups. I, I I look at the dynamics of the teams that are what they're building. Uh, I I know that Patrick Kane's favorite teammate is Alex DeBrinket, and when Alex DeBrinket got traded from Chicago Blackhawks, really lit a anger fire under Patrick Kane's uh, skin. When Alex DeBrinket left, the, those two kind of were like the you know you know, Tweedledee and Tweedledum of, of, of Chicago. He, they loved playing with each other. And I think, I, I think Patrick Kane's energy level and, and give a shit level dropped significantly when Alex Brink was traded to Ottawa. I believe Patrick Kane growing up playing for the national development program in Detroit. He's very comfortable in that city. He knows it very well. Um, I know where, Playing in Buffalo probably would have been a, a pretty hard for him. And I think in viewing the teams. In what way? Uh, I think number just, one, playing. Just pressure. In, playing, playing, yeah, playing in your home state, playing in your hometown. There's a lot of pressure. There's a lot of distractions. Um, I think the, the the team makeup, you know, not knowing, you know, which team is on, on the rise more. Is Detroit on a faster pace to – to winning hockey games or winning a championship than Buffalo is. And you got to look at his parents. His parents are amazing supporters of Patrick Kane. They drive to, they drive to Chicago for every single hockey game from Buffalo. Like it's, you know, and I think a lot of the decision was, was Patrick Kane loves his parents being at games and supporting him and, and being able to, you know, attend in person. It's a lot closer drive to Buffalo. There are a lot of dynamics. I think that, just that just pointed to Patrick Kane in Detroit. And it was, I think it was the right fit and I'm glad I was right. I was pissed when I heard the news. I really <laughs> wanted it. I really wanted him in Buffalo. I really did just, but yeah. I'll, I'll say this though. I, I said, and people are mad at me, but I said, he picked the better team. And I, I think Detroit is, a better team than Buffalo is right now. I think they're headed in a different direction. I think their stars are more established. I, I just, I think he picked the better team with more opportunity for him to produce and show that he still has game left for the plan going forward after this year. Well, again, it's, it. I think Alex Brinkett is a, is a big key to, to something. If, if you're Patrick Kane, you're coming off a hip surgery. You're coming off of not playing for a long time. Uh, you're now, you're a little bit, you're older. You want to have as good a chemistry with someone to help you be as good a player as you can be. Um, who is that? Who is that person in Buffalo? 
you know, it would be a question mark. There's no question in in Detroit that Patrick Kane and Debrinket will do very well together. So I would think that would have a, a again a strong and and look who's look who's building Detroit. I mean Steve Eisman. You can't tell me that Steve Eisman isn't a very um, just attractive uh, leader at the helm, building a team there that Patrick Kane can help. And I really think that that's that was another key component is Steve Eisman is building. You something. actually think that the Detroit Red Wings are a better team? Than the Buffalo Sabres? I do. I don't. I don't. I do. You know what? I think the Sabres, I think their Sabres are three, four players away from being an absolute monster in this league. That's what I believe. Which which, which Buffalo Sabres team are you talking about? The ones that just played against the New York Rangers? The Buffalo Sabres team. The one that played against the New York Rangers or the ones that played against Montreal Canadiens a couple, you know, a couple weeks ago? Well, which, which I'll team? say this again, Jr. They're they're four players away from being an absolute monster in this league. And what I say, what I mean is, they are a goaltender away, a legit number one goaltender away. And I know Ukapekalukan has played out of his mind to start the season. Everybody's happy with him. Um, he's still a very young guy. I'm talking about a clear cut number one in this league. They're missing that guy. They're also missing a, a top four defenseman, a legit. Like I know Ryan Johnson's come in here. He's been pressed everyone, but he is not a, a legit top four guy. They're missing two forwards on the forward line right now. If but, you had those four players, I'm going to tell you the, right now, but man, look at with this team, in, insane. No, Detroit has a Detroit has a more well-rounded lineup. No, they don't. Uh, okay, so let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. Yeah, they do. Okay, let me ask you this. So, what is then? What's what's the what's the problem with Buffalo then? In terms of their, they go into New York and they absolutely trounce New York in New York, the hottest team in the league, mm-hmm. and it wasn't even close. Yeah, um, I'm going to be really interested to see how their next game goes. Whether they're going to sit on their on their on their one game great laurels and and then you know don't prepare for the next one and lose a game that you win. I don't know. I don't know that yet. It's, we'll see what happens. But um, what's the – I I said to your guys, you know, your um, – Petey, I, I talked to your radio friends there in Buffalo yesterday. We had a really good chat on, on radio yesterday. They asked. He asked me, what's Buffalo's problem? And I said, Buffalo's problem is I don't think that team inside that locker room as players have – created an identity for their team as a whole like what's the identity of the of the buffalo sabers how are they going to play are they going to be tough to play against every night physically are they going to no. be workhorses are they going to be workhorses are they going to be very very strong defensively are they going to be tenacity players are they going to be offensive juggernauts like inside that locker room as players and i'm taking away the coaches okay because at one point, the team has to come together and have an identity of how they are going to play and play that every single night. And I don't think that I don't think they have that in Buffalo. I think they have a system, but I don't think they have an identity. And an identity wins hockey games daily. Well, you talk about identity, and then I got to mention the Kachuk boys the other night. Did you see? Wow. Those two 
absolute wildcats. Every time these two teams get together, these two these two guys get on the ice and they just cause so they, much shit. They can't help it. They can't help it. It's they they are Kachucks from the inner core of their being to the to the the deepest of atmospheres. I mean, they are Kachucks, and and I say that because Walt was one of the most passionate. One of the most just like crazy lover of the game and players. They played it the right way. And which one is right more way. like their dad? Would you say Brady? Matthew seems there, more like Matthew seems more like a, the agit like an agitator. Like wants they, to agitate and dude, be annoying. Brady just seems like he's a no, he's a neither of them. A, neither of them. Like, you, you take you take two characteristics of Matthew and two characteristics of Brady. Okay, you put them together, and that's 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 Keith. That's Big Walt, because what Matthew does so well. Okay, he skates just like his dad did, which is not not a great skater, but effective. Okay, not pretty. You get Matthew in front of the net, and he's a freaking beast in front of the net. You can't get him around. Tip and pucks getting a lot of junk goals, nice little passes, and he's mouthy, right? Matthew's always, always mouth, always in your face, in your face, in your face, punching you in your face, being that instigator, right? That was Walt, okay? Then you take Brady, okay? Brady has amazing hands. He's very talented. He can skate well, okay? He can pass well. Walt wasn't a great skater. Brady has it. Brady is tough and loves to fight. Matthew Matthew can fight, but he's not as tough as Brady. Brady can fight like his dad. Brady's mean. Walt, Walt could fight and Walt was mean. Yeah, he Brady's mean. mean. I think Brady. I think Brady is is basically a splitting image of of uh of Big Walt, of the father. No, he, skate, I mean, he skates he skates so much better than than his dad skated. He, his hands were so much better than his dad's hands. His creativity is so much better than his dad's creativity. His dad was an absolute warrior in front of the net. He was a grinder. He worked hard. He punched people in the face. He fought. He grinded. He bitched. He did everything that you could possibly do in the game. But he didn't look pretty. Walt didn't make it look pretty. But he was one of the most effective players in the history of the game, in my opinion. Yep. I mean, but... You talk about that game. <laughs> I would love and, to see them fight. I really would like. I mean, I think it's coming too. They were talking uh, to each other. A, they're not going to fight each other. They'll they're, fight they're, anybody on any team at any moment, but they're not here to fight each other. This is not a sideshow uh, family. This is a family that are very supportive of one another. They both yeah. know exactly they are the leaders of their current teams and elite players in the game. It's not about fighting themselves for sideshow. It's, it's about winning. And for an example, you look at uh, Matthew Kachuk, who who got attacked by um, the Ottawa player. Petey, what, uh, what's a tough kid? Yeah, McEwen. McEwen. So didn't like what, what was going on. McEwen went out and did did what he was supposed to do, his job, and went and kind of uh you know attacked uh uh Matthew Kachuk, um, ragged him up a little bit, beat him up a little bit, 
And then, uh, you know, it's interesting when you sit there and you look at Kachuk. Matthew Kachuk is now at the bench. He's trying to get his his bearings. He's trying to put his helmet on. You can see scrapes and 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 bruises on his face because he obviously took a couple when he was on when he was down on the ice. And what I found interesting is what he mouthed over to the Ottawa bench. Okay, do you do you know what I'm talking about, Petey? I saw him. I don't know what he said, but I saw he him. He basically Matthews. alluded to, "We're coming after Stutzel." And, uh, you know, who else is their, their star guy? Yeah, There's yeah. two kids that he named. It's like, we're coming after Stute, uh, Stutes and uh, another young kid. We're not going to go after your tough guys. We don't care about your tough guys. We're not going to fight your tough guys. We're going to, if you're going to come after me, who's the top player on Florida, guess what? We're coming after your stars. And that's that's the smartness of a Kachuk. It's not about fighting the tough guys on Florida. It's about if you're going to come after our guys, we're going to go after your top guys. Stutzel, be ready because we're coming yeah. for you. Now, all of a sudden, you got this kid on the bench and thinking to himself, holy shit, man. I had nothing to do with this. Now they're coming <laughs> after me. Yeah. That's, that reminds, that's the that, way you that re- do it. That reminds me of of the of the Craig Berube story when he was in New York. He was playing for Philly, and New York brings up the, their goon from the from the minors to play against Craig Berube, and the whole warmups. This guy is just barking at Berube. Oh, I'm gonna kill you! I'm gonna knock your head off! And Berube's like, "Who is this guy?" And he was a monster, right? So Berube's like, "Jesus!" Every time he kept skate towards the red line, this guy in the Rangers is just barking at him. They come out for the for the for the national anthem and during the whole national anthem from from bench to bench, this this tough guy is yelling at Craig Bruby, I'm gonna kill it, oh, I'm gonna knock your head up. And so finally the the anthem stops, is over. Bruby jumps on the ice, skates down the boards, right past this guy yelling at him, past the Rangers bench, goes right down to Brian Leach on the other side of the bench and goes, Leachy. If you don't get that big galoot and shut the fuck up, if he touches me, I'm going to come over and I'm going to kill you. I'm going to fucking beat the shit out of you. And Leachy goes, hey, kid, sit down. Sit down. Like, right? We're going. It was a great story. So Ruby said, yep. listen, I'm not fighting that big guy. I'm not fighting that big that big galoot. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to beat the shit out of you, Leachy. And Leachy says, hey, sit down. Shut up. Just sit there. Hundred percent. The guys that yeah. know what they're doing, it's not about it's not about sitting there and fighting back and forth with the other team's tough guy. Kachuk is an extremely, extremely intelligent player, but when it comes to the side of physicality and nastiness and that other part of the game that's still there, he understands that it's not about fighting the Ottawa Senators' tough guys. He's going to he's going to state it, and he st- and he stated it on the ice. He looked across and he yelled at the bench. He and he's like, "If you're going to do this to me, Stutzel, yeah, we're that coming." Kind of for bothers you. me that we're coming for that you. Matthew Kachuk says that because he starts a lot of this shit. So okay. it's like, but, so yeah, so listen to this. Let's hundred points. Just because you get a hundred points doesn't mean you're exempt from having to answer for any of your bullshit. Okay, so let me ask you a question. Would <laughs> you you take both Kachuks, 
Okay. And both of them have different characteristics and they're both built to a T that's kind of the same, that mentality, that competitiveness. Um, you know, Matthew takes a lot of heat for his antics. Okay. He does. I, I was listening to NHL radio and the guy in NHL radio was pretty much condemning the game and, and what the Kachuk brothers were doing and how it was bad. Whereas you had on the other side, um, 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 what's the, what's the other, uh, there's another guy in a podcast that's, um, that who, who said he loved it. He said, this is how the game needs to be. Upshaw, Scotty Upshaw was like, this is what I love about hockey. This is how hockey should be. So there's, 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 there's so many people that have their opinions and a lot of people don't like the, the commotion and the sideshow that the Kachucks bring, but you gotta, you gotta admit every single person in, in every, I think every team would want one of them as their teammates would want them on their team, would want them on their team. Right. Like that's to me, that's the, that's the end game end game de- determination of a player. Am I right? No question. No question. Because listen, I mean, these guys are so important because there's still the physical rough mentality that happens in the game. But it, it I mean, there's, there's, there's not many players in the entire league. Like the name me player, name me five players in the game that play like the Kachucks. And what I mean by that is there's still an, they're still like a top two, three, four player on their team. Okay. They, they, they play power play. They kill penalties. They're on the ice at the end of games. Like they are leaders of their team. Like name me guys in the league that are like them. They're like dinosaurs. That's what the league used to be like. Um, and there was a lot of players that played like the Kachucks, but in today's game, the game has gotten much, much more skilled, much more mm-hmm. fluid skaters, and 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 the playmaking yep. ability is a lot higher. But the Kachucks have that, but they also have the mean streak, the physicality, and there's very few players. There's one that comes to mind right now that just literally pops out because I'm I'm I love this guy, and that's and that's Wilson in in uh, Washington. He he's yeah. still playing on in a, in a top 6 position on his team. Um very useful but has that ability to play the other side of the game at a high level too, which is physicality, fighting, you know, mm-hmm. and the the fear factor that comes with yeah. that play. Yeah, he's done a he's done a very good job of turning himself into a hockey player as well as a as what a so-called enforcer of today's game. How long of a stick did you use? You know, I ch- it's it's that's a pretty good question because I actually have thought about that um, throughout my career. It was a, it was a huge thing for me. Um, I started out with a short stick, and a shorter stick allowed me to get lower. You know, I was obviously younger; my body was in better shape. A shorter stick was was easier to stick handle, especially in tight situations. Uh, but as I got older. And as my body deteriorated and, and, um, you know, getting lower on the, on the stick, getting, you know, being able to get my knees lower, I went to a little bit longer stick, which, um, which hampered, hampered me in tight situations, stick handling. And it's, it's not as easy to stick handle with long stick as it is with, uh, with a shorter stick. So I kind of, I kind of 
gener- as as I moved along through my career, got a longer stick. And literally, it was probably two and a half inches, almost three inches different between the sticks that I used in the early '90s to where I used in the late in the in the you know towards the end of my career, 2006, seven, eight. It's pretty pretty crazy. So my it's it just moved, changed. Well, the reason why I ask it because I saw an interesting video yesterday of Tage Thompson. And he, would you assume that he uses a long stick or a short stick? I would think with him, he uses a long stick because he's so tall. Not at all. It's actually very short, like hmm. uh, under his chin short. Wow. On his skates. Wow. So I thought that was interesting because, you know, I, I always tell young kids and that kids should be using shorter sticks to start to, to be able to handle the puck a little better. Like, yeah, I, I don't know how you feel about that, but I mean, the well, I think rib, I think, I think ribs, I think ribs being a coach and coaching a lot of young kids probably has a better, better opinion from of you and I on this. Well, he, he, well, he, he, and I, he and I have talked about it. So, I mean, I was, I was curious to get your, your opinion, but you agree with that, Craig? Here, here's what happens at youth hockey. Like when we're talking youth hockey, I'm talking the younger levels, kids that are just starting to play parents that are very new to the game. So what they do is they, they buy a stick for their uh, five, six, seven year old kid. Okay. And they cut it like literally over his nose, like above his eyebrows, because they want the kid to grow into this stick. The worst thing that you can do for, 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 for a young player. Um, You want to cut a short stick when they're young. You want that to be almost like uh, below the bottom lip if you're a defenseman, you know, maybe yes. the top of the chin if you're a forward. Yes. It's going to be a little bit lower, lower. But you want a shorter stick at a younger age, okay? And as the as the kid gets older and starts to grow, once you start to get into your 10, 11, 12, I think that you start to figure out what works for you. Some kids like really insanely short sticks. Some kids like longer sticks. Maybe a defenseman wants a little bit of a longer stick for a poke check or something like that. Um, And as you get older, when I'm talking older, 14, 15, when you hit puberty and you start to become a man, the game becomes faster more aggressive. I think if you can learn to play with a longer stick and what I mean longer, I don't, I don't mean, you know, a stick that's above your eyebrows. You know, I'm talking about if you can play with a, 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 an inch or two longer, I think it will be beneficial for you uh, moving forward. Yeah, I totally agree. Do you remember Nate Gerby? Now Nate Gerby, let's understand that he was, he was five, four. Like he was probably one of the shortest guys in NHL history. Um, that being said, he had a stick that was taller than he was. Now, mm-hmm. and I asked him about it. I'm like, why do you have such a long stick? He goes, I learned to play with a very long stick from a from a really young age because I was so short that I wanted to be able to uh, extend that stick to grab pucks and and get pucks. But he also learned to stick handle with a really long stick in tight. And that was you know just like his... that. You know, who's like that in the league right now. And I, I watched him in the Olympics and this is where I first saw the kid when he played for Switzerland um, is, is Zuccarello. Okay. So Zuccarello used a stick that's almost taller than him. 
And I, and I wonder whether he used it because he is smaller and his reach was off, but he, he was so dynamic with a long, long stick. And I think it made up for the fact that he was shorter. Um, but his stick was, I think he still uses a long stick. What, look, look to see what, how long a stick Matt Zuccarello uses in Minnesota. It's unbelievable. Yeah. And, and the way that he uses it, but on the flip side, a guy who used a very, very short stick that did it probably better than anybody I've ever seen is Brett Hall. Brett Hall had a very short stick and he, and it helped him with his release, his power, you know, the closeness of well, his hands on his stick. It's exactly what Tage said about the release near his feet in close to his feet. He's able to get just the bang. He can yeah. get it. He can get it in close. He can get it in tight. He can get it anywhere. And when you can release the puck like that with a short stick, like Brett Hall did, and we, we all know how Brett Hall shoots. And by the way, look at Alex Ovechkin, short stick, same type of shooters, same type of release, same type of mentality as a Brett Hall. Yeah. But they use shorter sticks. Really. And, and, and you know what? And the other thing with Brett Hall is Brett Hall, from what I remember, is it was a very short stick. And it was also very flimsy. It was a 65 flex. So a, like, so obviously people that are listening understand that a 65 flex is what you, like what, you're, what you're trying to do with a 65 flex is what you do is you double that and that should be the weight of you. So if you're using a 65, a player should be around 130, maybe 140, you know, uh, or so pounds. That's kind of how, you know, you're, you, you look at that type of thing. Um, but Brett it's Hall was, flex. was a, was a big man. Like, I mean, he was what, 215, uh, 511, 510? Yeah, his, his timing and his touch and his, his precision was second to none. I tried, I tried to shoot, a, shoot a puck with Brett Hall stick. It was literally like a, like a, like a wet bean in my hand. That's like the the puck went into the corner. Like I couldn't even get any any velocity on it. And the way that this guy shot the puck with a stick like that still boggles my still boggles my mind. Did you see what Philadelphia did last night for uh hockey fights cancer? They no, had the they kid do. they had the kid on the bench for the, the entire game against That's Carolina. Great. Yeah, That's you gotta great. you gotta look this up, man. That's great. I yeah. love that. See again, these are the things these are the things that we have to do. Did you also see Mark Andre Fleury, who I'm a huge fan of? He did an indigenous mask that he made to to celebrate the indigenous um holiday or the people. And the league said Well his wife you. his wife is of uh Indian uh, or native descent, uh, you know, and, and wanted to, you know, do something for her. Yep. And the league said, we're going to find you and we're going to find your team. And you know what Mark Andre Fleury did? He went, screw you. I'm doing this because I'm making a statement and I'm supporting them. And he wore it anyway in the warmups. And why has there been nothing, nothing about that? Again, it goes back to the beginning of the year. When the league said, you can't, you can't use rainbow tape. You can't do it. And we're all like, oh, no, listen, 
if an individual wants to represent and and give honor to somebody, they should be able to do that. And, you know, I think the league is now really put themselves into a pickle by now they have to allow individuals to, to show their, you know, their support, their individuality, their, their support of what's, of what they feel is important to them because the league didn't find Marc-Andre Fleury or the team, did they? No one knows because it came out that Marc-Andre Fleury was discussing this with um, media in Minnesota said that he was going to wear this mask to represent his, his, his uh, wife's heritage and all this. And it came back uh, a, a couple days later that the NHL was going to fi- fine Marc-Andre Fleury. The media came back to Marc-Andre Fleury and said, well, they're, they're, they're going to fine you. You're still going to wear it. And he says, absolutely, I'm still going to wear it. I don't care about being fined. Then they came back that the, the NHL said, well, we're not only going to find Marc-Andre Fleury, we're going to find the entire organization in Minnesota. And then all of a sudden we waited and we waited a couple of days to see if he was going to wear it. And boom, shakalaka, he comes out and he's, st- and he's wearing the mask. So good for him. Great on Mark. Uh, great good on, on Marc-Andre Fleury. Yes, sir. Absolutely. Absolutely. One of my favorite one of my favorite players in the last 20 years is Marc-Andre Fleury, and I couldn't be more happy that he stood up for, for what he believes in and, and just did it. And you know what? Said, said to the league, I'm not going to let you push me around because that's what the league wants to do. That's what they like to do. They like to push you around and make all the rules. Well, Marc-Andre Fleury made the rule for himself. Good for him. I love it. I feel bad for Dean Everson, though. Let's see how Minnesota reacts with a new coach. feel bad for him. I heard a lot. Well, we talked to Thomas yesterday, and uh, he knows some players there. But I've heard that he's he's loved by his yeah. team and people around yeah. him. Yeah, that was a that was a surprise to me. Listen, that, Bill Guerin that, has that to was, make a tough decision, and yes, you know what? Was, Bill Guerin cannot go out and trade and no. and uh, do things. The easiest thing to do is fire your coach that, because that's that going to be the wake up call. That's a message. That's his message to, this, to his players. Yep. Unfortunately for because for... his players, he knows his players like Dean Nevison. And when you fire a coach that is liked, that's a message. That's a message. So, and they got, they went out and won the game last night. So, you know, one, one in the books, one that's in the right. books, but unfortunately Dean's a very good coach and a very good man. And unfortunately he had to take the fall of his team, not pl- playing to expectations. So maybe they start doing it now. Connor McDavid heating up. Oh, 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 wow. That means getting help. I mean, look at Evander Kane, 11 goals. You know, Hyman, 10. I mean, he's getting some support now. So Out of know. nowhere, right? Like, out of nowhere. Everyone's like, what's wrong with this guy? What's wrong with this guy? <laughs> then he puts up five points. He put up three last night, too. Oh, he's put up three. He's put up 12, game, 12 points in three games. Thanks for yeah. coming. Yep, yeah. thanks for coming. Best player in the history of the game. History. History no, he's not. Game. No, he's not, yep. Jr. Yep. Yes, he is. Most no, talented he's player. not. Stop. Most talented. Most talented player in the history of the game. Oh, Bar none. come on! If you're Bar starting a franchise, none. you're not starting with Connor McDavid. Uh, you, they're damn right, I am. Who are you with starting Connor with, Petey? Uh, if I'm starting with one player of the league right yep. now, yep, Kale McCarr. Kale McCarr, best player to ever play the game. Best player to ever play the, the game. 
best best defenseman, best most player, talented, JR. No, best, taking... most talented, most talented defenseman ever to play the game. Connor McDavid is the most talented. You gonna tell player. me right now? You gonna tell me right now, Jr. Yes, I the, am gonna tell you. Connor McDavid Kale, is, is more the talented. Kale McCart is the most. Did you not watch Paul Coffey? Yeah, I I did. Okay, I did. Kale McCart does things way better than Paul Coffey did in tight Stop. situations. I, I'm not. I'm not listening to this. Paul Coffey is me? the greatest defenseman to ever play the game, offensively. Top, yeah. top, top three, top three for sure. One of my favorite people in the world, Paul, Paul Coffey. Yes, yes, I agree. But Kale McCarr does it on a different level and does way more, way more things than Paul Coffey does. And by the way, Kale McCarr also has more of an edge and is more physical than Paul Coffey ever was. Kim McCarr has played five seasons in the NHL. What are you talking about right now? We're going to sit here. We're going to sit here and put Kim McCarr on the on the number one defenseman in the in the history of the of the game. Guys, played five seasons. Dude, we're not talking about points. We're talking about talent. You can see talent right now. You don't have to see talent ten years from now or five years from now. The actual talent that they possess in their body and the things that they can do on the ice, on blades, with the amount of the players that well, tell me what he around. does better than tell me what he does better than Paul Coffey. Uh, he's a better playmaker than Paul Coffey. Oh, he's a better passer than Paul Coffey. Serious right now. He's he's he has better edge work than Paul Coffey. Paul oh Coffey no. No, now you're now you're getting crazy. Now you're getting crazy. Paul Coffey is the best defenseman to ever don skates as a skater. There is not a player. There is not a player in the Dude, hit. okay. Yeah. Okay. You never, you I didn't never, get to listen, I didn't get to watch him never, play. Bobby you Orr. Never, listen, one thing about Paul Coffey, the way he the way he sharpened his skates was almost flat. You know how much a lot of guys have radiuses in their in their skates yes. with a deep hollow? Paul Coffey had a very, very shallow hollow, which actually allowed more of the blade to hit the ice. And when he got going, he there was not a more graceful, fast skater defenseman than Paul Coffey. But if you put Paul Coffey and he has to make quick turns and sharp turns to elude a player, Paul Coffey couldn't do that because he didn't have the edges in order to make those sharp, dig, hard you're never going to, do you remember the goal that, that Kale McCarr scored against Chicago Blackhawks? He's coming up the boards. He does a spinorama, tight little turn, goes back in and scores one backhand shelf. Paul Coffey couldn't do that because he couldn't make a spinorama like that because his blades were too fucking flat and his yeah, edge work didn't get in there. I'm telling you, you man. ask Paul Coffey. Ask Paul Coffey. He'll tell you the same thing. I'm going to, I'm just going to, um, I'm just going to give you the, the first 10 years of Paul Coffey's career. It doesn't matter. He started matter. in his rookie year. It he scored 32 matter. points. You're talking about points. Second year, about JR. Points. You're JR. talking about points. You're JR. talking about points. We're not you talking about points. You sit there and you We're listen for talent. a change. We're talking about talent. Second year, he had 29 talent. goals, 89 points. Third year, 29 goals, 96 points. Fourth, 40 goals, 126 points. 37 goals, 121 points. 48 goals, 138 points. Like, do I need to go on? Okay. So what you're not what you're not throwing into this equation, Riv, is number one, look at Paul Coffey with the way that he skated and 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 the dynamics. He was a he was a player beyond his generation. And he was playing against people that could barely skate in the 80s. Okay. And then and then sometimes in the 90s. 
You have Kale McCarr right now who is putting up ridiculous points, and he's playing against guy every single player that can fly like the wind. Every single player is 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 fast and good, and Kale McCarr makes them look stupid. And we're talking about talent. We're not talking about points. Paul Coffey should have gotten that many points playing with Wayne Gretzky and Mark Messier and Glenn Anderson and Yari Curry playing against guys that couldn't keep up. Plus with them. 35, plus 52, plus 52, plus 55, plus 61. Exactly. But take, take a look so at are we, are take, we gonna look at down Bobby Orr? Are we going to put down Bobby Orr's era? Yeah, because Bobby Orr could skate way better than everybody else. Well, was his, whose was... fault is that? He is. That's why he's considered one of the greatest players to ever play the game. Because in his era, where everybody was on the same platform in the same playing field, Bobby Orr was clearly okay, what, what, mind what did, blowing what did, better than what, everybody. What did I? What did I? What did I say by Conrad David? I didn't tell him. I didn't say he was the greatest player of all time. I said he's the most talented player I have ever seen talent and when you say talent talent is not the points that he gets it's the things that they do on skates that that just blows everybody else out of the water in terms of what they can do and their dominance because of that and kale mccard does that in a league that where everybody is fucking fast everybody is has strength and speed yeah Connor uh, McCarr is not going to have as many points probably in his career than Paul Coffey. But if you're going to measure a, an entire person's career just because of their points and not about the type of player he was or the talent, it I becomes Paul a different, Coffey, different story. I th- I'm not even joking when I say this, JR. I am dead serious. I think Paul Coffey at six foot one, 200 plus pounds of power. I think him playing in today's game with his skill set and skating would have a hundred points every single year. Minimum a hundred points a year. He's, he's one of those few p- players that are generation that, that he's exactly hundred percent. You know? Yes. By the way, he's, by he's the a way, guy Bobby that Orr, was allowed Orr to play, play in, in an era Bobby where Orr it was could, barbaric. Bobby Orr could play in this generation. Okay. You can't say that about many people, right? That's Guy true. Lefleur, Just, Guy Lafleur could play in this oh, generation. Geez. Gee. Right, Gee. I mean, amazing. These these guys, and are, and yeah. and he might still be able to smoke a pack on the bench during the game. It's it's it, there's a lot of different dynamics when you talk about. Listen, I I agree with you. Paul Coffey, top three defenseman. Watching him skate was like, I love Paul there was Coffey. Nothing. Love him. I love Paul, Bobby Orr. I love two defensemen when I grew up. When I was a young kid, two defensemen. Let me guess. Paul Coffey. Yes. Scott Stevens. Neg- well, he was like my, he was a third. He was, okay. he was the Brian third, Lee, but I, I appreciated him more a little bit. As I got a little bit older, I really started. So who, to- who was the other one then? Hey, JR knows him real well. Brian Leach. Nope. Chelly. Chelios. Oh. What an asshole. Unbelievable defenseman. Biggest asshole again. Everybody wanted to kill him. He was as tough as friggin' nails. He was a first-line power play guy. He was blocking shots with his, like, you know, cardboard Mm -hmm. knee pads. Like, the guy had... The guy is literally the ultimate friggin' hockey player, man. He's literally a ultimate Ultimate. hockey player. Ultimate. 
every yeah. single solitary aspect of the game. You want fighting. You want nastiness. You want uh, p- first power play guy. You want a, the best first penalty killer. Kill. You want leader. You want everything. It is all bundled up into one guy. And he wasn't even that big. No, he was 175 right? pounds. 100. 175 pounds. Crazy. I mean, you know what was cool about Chelios, though? So he's a right-handed shot. But he could also turn his turn stick, stick over and play yeah. the other way. He would shoot. He literally he would take a slap shot. He would, he would he... stop rims like around the boards. He, he, so he, he would flip his stick over and play. What? Other, yeah, he used yeah. to play on it yep. with his backhand. Yeah. He used, he, used, he, used to get the, he used to get the puck on the right hand off the right boards, and he'd literally pull it over and take a slap shot from the blue line left. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was amazing. It's crazy. Because it, he had a, he had, his stick was very straight, so pretty wow. straight, so he could do it. It was pretty amazing. That was a great finish to the show. I'm great just going to say this. I'm still taking Kale McCarr number one <laughs> in the league right now to start a franchise. No, 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 no. All right. You know what? It, it, it I, can, I can't even argue because with Because if, if you and I are drafting, I, if we're going back and forth, I mean, if, if I'm going to get McCarr. If okay. I have first pick, and then, and then you can, McDavid. and then someone can take McDavid, someone can take Drysaddle, and then yeah. I'll take McKinnon, and then someone can take someone else, and someone can take someone else, and then I'll take Marner, Nylander, or Matthews, and then so I still have the best defenseman and the best player on my team. Yeah, he's pretty damn good. He's pretty dynamic. Leading just, the league I, in point, or no? He's leading. The I just don't know how many. I just don't know how many how many people start a franchise with a defenseman i can see maybe a goalie but it's always it's always a forward it's always a high dynamic scoring forward i mean i mean that tells you a lot about mccarr and what you guys are saying but it's it's a great i mean it's a great conversation i wish i wish we can get some feedback from a lot of fans and what they think because it's just it's a great conversation well (laughs) i I guess who would be number two in today's game because I think there's a big difference between Kale McCarr and number two, number three, number four, number five, whoever you 100%. choose. I think Kale McCarr literally sits on a platform by himself and there's no one else like him. There's yeah, a lot of great totally, defensemen in this league, but I think Kale McCarr is truly a generational talent. How many points does he get this year? If he plays the entire year, one, he's going to be over, he'll be 110. Like I mean, he's gonna he's gonna do something special if he stays healthy this year. He's already wow. at thirty two points. I know. <laughs> it's mind blowing. It's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah. Back I to back it. years, we could see defensemen get a hundred points. We might have two this year. It'd be you know, it'd well, be incredible. I, I, be incredible I'll, to see. I'll just say this, Petey. I think uh, Hughes, Quinn Hughes, has has played exceptionally well just like the Vancouver Canucks have played exceptionally well, but I saw some analytics to towards um, the Vancouver Canucks in general. And it's almost like they're scoring on almost every freaking opportunity they have. Right. And eventually I don't, I don't think it's sustainable. It's going to dry up. Right. It's going to dry up a little bit there, even though he's having a incredible season. I think the Vancouver Canucks and their point producing from guys like Miller, guys like Pedersen, guys like Quinn are going to start to dip a little bit. 
That's just I'm a that's, Besser. I'm a Besser. Seventeen goals this year. It's he hasn't scored seventeen goals like the, like I mean he's he's good for a good twenty five to thirty, right? Yeah, he's on pace right now for like seventy. 70. So that's going to dry up a little bit. Pedersen, who is leading the league in points, is now starting to come down to planet Earth along with Miller, and you're going to see Quinn Hughes' point totals dip a little well, bit. So I don't. Well, think I hope Vancouver stays on top because I've thought for the last couple of years they've gotten the raw deal. I always thought they were better than they were. You called this man, and I don't like giving you praise, but you have called this with Vancouver. You like their team. I do like their mm-hmm. team. I've, yep. I, I like yep. their team a lot. And I've liked them for a couple of years. And they missed the playoffs uh, last year by a few points. And then, you you know, I think they were sneaky. But the, your guy there is up. I think is early, yeah, he's I think early runner for coach of the year, man. I mean, that's – this is, there's well, no I question. Right, I think Tocket right now has got to be leading that coach of the year. Absolutely. I, I can't think of another coach in the NHL right now that is more worthy of coach of the year than Rick Tocket. After so I, after the quarter point in the season, which means absolutely jack shit, right? Your team has to I don't to think it means jack yeah. shit at all. Yeah. Well, listen, I mean, if he, well, if if the team starts to dip in a big way, then so does yeah. his ability to hey, become we, we the Jack quarter, Adams winner. We always do. We always do quarter quarter point leaders of everything, right? So we can we can talk about the MVP of the league. We can talk about the you know the Selkie Trophy. We can talk about Coach of the Year. Everything is quarterly, but again. It's a long season, boys. Long season. Long season. So just like this was a long show, but a good one. There's nothing wrong with playing Devin Levi. He's going to have a very very, very long career in this league. He's a very, very good defenseman, 